Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast where we interview amazing guests and try and figure out how they do what they do, how they grow their people, how they grow their revenue, and more importantly, how they grow themselves. Because one of the things that leaders do is they're always improving so other people in the organization can lean on their brilliance, their confidence, and their trust. And one of the projects that I'm working on is Project Happiness. And Project Happiness is designed to bring more happiness in the world. And one of the ways we're doing it is a very simple technique. We're inviting people to share videos with us. They're about 15 seconds in length. And it's basically someone saying, hi, my name is, I'm going to pretend to be Wendy. Uh, This was somebody who actually interviewed. Hi, my name's Wendy. What makes me happy is making music because it allows me to express my soul. I mean, that's freaking beautiful. And the idea is someone who's struggling to find happiness can watch one of these videos. And one of those videos, because we've got hundreds of them, all of them are simple, achievable things you can do today. And the hope is someone will watch one of those videos and go, you know what? I could do that. And one of the things that makes me happy is talking to really smart people. And today, I have the privilege of having Ira Wolf with us today. He's the head honcho at Success Performance Solutions. Ira, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Umar. It's a pleasure to be here. Appreciate it and love this conversation. So one of the things that just happened, we tried recording this and the internet gods or the computer gods struck the laptop down. And one of the things great leaders do is is adaptability, right? Stuff happens. Uh, What's that old saying? You know, if you want to hear God laugh, tell him you've got a plan. And some people get crushed by failure when things go wrong and other people take failure as feedback and other people take failure as inspiration to keep going. So what is adaptability to you, Ira? How do you define it? Yeah, thanks very much. And that's a favorite subject. I, I've, 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 I taught my TED Talk, which was uh, about five years ago, was focused on making change work for you. So, nice. And it, it took me down this rabbit hole of trying to research how does that happen. And then when 2020 hit, I was introduced to a, 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 an adaptability model. It's called ACE, and we can get into the specifics of that. But it was really about, uh, you know, people were bantering around grit and resilience. Yes. Um, growth mindset, uh, engagement, experience, all these things. Uh, and it's I really awesome. <laughs> I married her. It was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I won't go into that <laughs> that side. I, I had to repeat that a couple times. Uh, but we, we went through, which is adaptability, right? Yes. Uh, we, we all learned two years ago how resilient and gritty and opportunities that abounded because of the pandemic. Now, unfortunately, there was a lot of people who didn't adapt. There was a lot of, um, you know, there's certainly a lot of people who who fell ill, a lot of people who passed away. So Uh, let me me interject there just for a moment. One of the industries that was hit the hardest and it was going to be screwed and just be destroyed totally was real estate for two months. And then it came back. It's the strongest market they've had in 30 years. 
like the first two months, everyone was crying. It's all lost. And then all of a sudden, people wanted to buy houses and there wasn't enough supply and house prices went skyrocketing and realtors, that was the place to be during the pandemic because they made gobs of money. So it's a really good example of how many people quit the industry in the first two months and didn't stick with it to see something freaking amazing on the other side. So please go on on adaptability. How do you take a situation where you got punched and not crumple to the floor or go, I give up on a go somewhere else? What is the methodology you recommend people use to kind of go, all right, let me take a breath and take it away, Ira. Be brilliant. We need we, we, the one thing that we need to put in perspective here is is that grit and resilience for decades, for millennium, worked. It was if you got knocked down, you got backed up, and you just stayed focused on on the on your goal, on that future. You just kept going down, and we've rewarded that. We have a whole work system that's. Uh, that hard work, that American capitalism, yes. uh, that work ethic is just be gritty. You, you people went to work day after day after day. They hated their jobs. You're talking about happiness. They didn't like their jobs. They, they basically lived to work. And we got down to that end of the rainbow. They retire, If they reached retirement, they lived for a handful of years and then they passed away. And we had you know, all those things going on. The challenge, not the challenge, but in those times, change happened relatively slowly. It evolved. And it took a long time for things to happen. If if you and I go back and and even look at some of the technology that that arrived on the scene, you know, a a fax machine, you know, arrived and you could use the same fax machine for 20 years or even 30 years. I mean, it was just the same old thing over and over again. Now, if you buy a phone, if if you buy a smartphone, it's out of date in six months. Um, It's true. But let's not uh, let's kind of go back to the earlier generation, the baby boomers. What they accomplished in the U.S. You know, the U.S. went from like a a country to like a superpower in all capitals, and so that grit and determination and work ethic, people did that for their families, and that's what you were supposed to do. That was the box you were in, and that's what you did. So they changed the world. But I agree, change is happening. Really, really quickly. And even those guys uh, would have been freaked out by change because just human nature is change means I got to go out of my comfort zone and people don't like doing that. So please go on. I just wanted to give a salute to the baby boomers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, each generation. I mean, Gen, you know, Gen X um, has, has done really well. I mean, they helped us get there. Uh, the millennials gets bashed. You know, I'm a recovering millennial basher. And the, the millennials are, you know, really, the reality is they're now in their 40s. The oldest millennials are now in their 40s. And they're some of the people leading the charge. And now, you know, they're attacking the Gen X, the Gen Z, but that's a whole other story. Uh, but, but what behind the scenes, what we didn't realize was the rate of exponential change, how quickly things were happening. And then there were multiple events where in the past there might have been one event. We were also weren't connected, so connected by the internet and globalization. Our economies weren't so connected. Our supply chains, just, just think about that. Oh, Our yeah. supply chains yeah. weren't connected because our challenge was getting things from Nebraska or California to the East Coast. Now so, it's getting things from China and India and Russia and, and not uh, only South that, America. And not only that, the butterfly effect is, you know, if a butterfly flaps its wings on one side of the world, you get a typhoon. And that's true when it comes to supply chain, because everything is interlinked. If there's one chip manufacturer that can't do what they do, like what's happening right now, the auto industry, all kinds of things just grind to a halt. So yeah, now everything is super connected and super fragile as well. 
So going back to to our the that model that we talk about, where grit and resilience, and, and and those were the two words of the year. Either every media, every consultant said the word of the year is grit, the word of the year is resilience, and absolutely true. What we didn't experience, what we what people didn't take into account was the speed of change. Okay, and literally overnight, March eleventh, I believe, was the date. Uh, which we just celebrated that two-year anniversary when everybody said, go home and don't come back. We'll be back in two weeks. No, it'll be four weeks. No, it'll be three months. No, it may be never. Um, and and we may ne- you may never come back to work. You're going to have a job, but the job's going to be different. So all these cha- things change so quickly. The, the missing piece there, and we look at our ACE model, uh, which the A is, adapt- is, is abilities. It's personal abilities. Grit right. and resilience are still key factors. We didn't take into account this growth, this thing called growth mindset. And for the listeners who aren't out there, fixed mind, if you have a growth mindset is just as you introduced the show, is you, you seize opportunity. It's what, what mistake, what happened? And, you know, we'll, you and I will probably both reflect on that. What can we do differently next time? Or we've been through something like that already. Right. And we look at that as a challenge. It, it wasn't a roadblock. It was a stepping stone into doing something different. So we actually, Based on that, we actually changed the tone of our conversation. We seized on that moment. Fixed mindset is, oh my goodness, I'm just not cut out to do technology. I hate this Zooming stuff. I, I'm just not very good at figuring this stuff out. I just wish it could go back to the way it was. So fixed mindset is really challenged by, well, they're challenged by challenges. Growth mindset looks at these as opportunities. They seize upon that. They grow. They learn. What can I do differently next time if this happens? And that's the path. We, mo- many, many people have this fixed mindset. I'm too old. I'm not very good at math. I'm not very good at technology. I don't like the way I look on Zoom. I can't, I can't possibly talk, go on stage. I can't talk to other people, you know, speak, uh, basically speaking, public speaking, which is, this is a, a, just another variation of that. There's people that are terrified by that. And the reality is, is people have to come out of their comfort zone. With all the changes, with all the strategies, with, with this, even talking about going to hybrid and remote work, companies get stuck on the strategy, the technical side of that. And they don't take into account the challenge that people have implemented, even if people want to stay, if they, they, I, I love my life. I love spending time with my kids. I, I don't have to do a two hour commute every day. I can do all these things. That's all the technical stuff. Those are the challenge is having that mindset. Ira, you said uh, adaptability was really important. And one of the elements of that, you said, you know, grit and resilience were important. And that's almost like the foundation you need to be adaptable. Because a lot of people, when something goes wrong and we fail, and God knows I've failed a lot of times, then it's like uh, you pack up your bags and you go home or it's like, oh, why does this happen to me? So explain the relationship of grit and resilience. Like the illusion is, and it may be the truth, that we were grittier in the past and we're not as gritty now. So address that first. I'm not sure that's true or not. And then if you don't have grit, how do you get grit so you can be adaptable? Yeah. And great question. So are we grittier or less gritty? You know, every generation says the next generation is not as gritty as their generation. Uh, the circumstances have changed. If you look at the the millennials who certainly have been bashed, uh, as, as you know, I've said earlier, I was a, I'm a recovering millennial basher, is for, for their adult life, they've been through 9-11, 
Yep. They've been through 2008. They've been through a pandemic. Uh, they're pretty gritty to come out of this. And many of them th are thriving. They're, for, you know, in their late 30s, early 40s, many of them, they're the successful business owners. They're the entrepreneurs. They've done really, really well. So grit is really that perseverance. And, uh, you know, Angela Duckworth, uh, who, who, really made that mainstream. Yes. You know, talks about that a lot. And, you know, part of it, it, it's really difficult to say, what do you need to do for grit? Because it's so contingent upon resilience, because if you get knocked down, you have to get back up to keep going. And, and the other components, you know, things like uh, mental flexibility and growth mindset. So one of the things you mentioned was, you know, what they've been through 9-11. 9-11, they were really young, but I was interviewing uh, the head of sales training at one of the universities. They've got a university course to kind of, there should be a lot more of those, by the way. And he was talking about his current uh, crop of graduates. And he goes, uh, you know, my current students are, and I was thinking, lazy, no good, terrible. And he didn't say that. He said, they're the most driven people I've come across in a real long time. And I said, hey, hey, time out. What do you mean? Why did this happen? He says, when they were seven or eight years old, the 2008 financial crisis happened. Their parents were losing their homes. There was food insecurity. And they're basically uh, depression-era kids. And they're the most driven. They got to do it themselves. And so you're right. Going through those circumstances is where you get it. You can't get it in a workshop. It's You need to live through it and realize there was a, a book from Marcus Aurelius. And his main point on the entire book, depending on whichever chapter, whether it was family, politics, finance, the end of the chapter was... At least you're not dead. So don't worry about it. Keep going. So, so Ira, talk about your ACE model. We got adaptability. What's the C? So we have, well, the A happens is abilities. So there's okay. five abilities that individuals need, and they all interconnect. Uh, so it's grit, resilience, growth mindset. Uh, it is mental flexibility, which is the ability to digest conflicting messages, which mm -hmm. we have a lot, ambiguities, uncertainty. Uh, and it's also unlearning because we're in a situation now. It's not just what do I need to learn, but what worked in the past isn't going to work in the future. And we need to also say, hey, that was interesting. It helped me get here, but I, I can't keep doing that. And I've got to push that back. I got to file it away in my brain right. somewhere or just do a brain dump. So the A is, is abilities. The C is character. Now, abilities we can change. They're called their skills. We can learn right. how to do that better. Uh, the character uh, is our personality. And it's not that we're looking to change somebody's personality, but it is important to know how it impacts our, our outlook, how our, our perspective to uh, adaptability, to change, to change readiness. And we look at things like extroversion. You know, if I'm an, if I'm an extrovert, I need to talk to you. I've, the pandemic was really tough on me. I needed to go out and socialize. Or we just had these big Zoom calls. Uh, an introvert is, I, I want to hide behind the screen. I don't want to be here. I need to process this. I'm okay being alone. Some introverts thrive during the pandemic because they were left alone. Uh, and, but it's, it's not universal. But we look at that. We look at our ability to deal with emotions. Uh, the Are we excitable or are we also somewhat reserved? But we look at hope, how hopeful someone is. Right. And that has a lot to do with growth mindset. If you're a fixed mindset, it, you tend to be less hopeful, uh, less happy. If you're growth mindset, you look at the world as a future. Uh, we look at motivating style. Uh, motivating style uh, is uh, do we play to win or do we play to protect? Uh, and right. thinking style uh, is, uh, you know, t basically t the ability, what type of risks are we willing to take? Uh, and do we see the big picture? Or do we look or do we get buried in the details? So it looks at that and it just says, here's our personal approach. 
how we deal with this stuff. And is that going to help us grow, thrive, be successful? Uh, or is it going to lead to our unhappiness and our burnout and, our, and, and, and pile on to distress? In the work that I've been doing for decades, uh, so let's take hopefulness. So you can have a human being that is not hopeful, but usually there's a belief in their unconscious that's causing that hopelessness. And we've got the ability now to go in and figure out what's causing that belief and transform it. So you'd be surprised how many times I've heard this. Somebody's in grade four and the teacher in the class says, you know, you're not going to amount to anything. And it's like, what kind of evil psychotic teacher would do that to a kid in the classroom in a public setting? But in that moment, it creates a belief that I'm not good enough. And if you've got a belief, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. But we've got the ability now to go in, identify what happened, change the belief around it. And you can take someone that was hopeless and make them hopeful. So there's hope for everybody to uh, show up in your best self. And, and you think about that and, you know, Carol, and we'll go back to mindset because that, that's my passion and that's where I look. And I think that's the root of all, a lot of this evil, you know, coming that it's, it's certainly neurosciences and what we learned about it is much, so much deeper, but. And, and just to add so to it, it's also our blessing and it allows us to blossom some mindset. It's just like a knife. It could be useful in a surgeon's hand and harmful in, in my hand. No, never mind. Please go on. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and I was on the other side of that first career. I, I had a lot of knives in my hands <laughs> and, 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 uh, and, and dangerous instruments but that we use. Were you a soldier or what was the? Uh, uh, no, I was actually a dentist. Oh. My, my first career was a dentist. All right. We're hanging up. Click. No, I saw a marathon, <laughs> man. Uh, please go on. So when we, when, we, we go back to this, this root, this hope, which you talked yes. about. Um, when you think about uh, if somebody says you'll never be good enough, uh, you're not smart enough, you're, you're, you know, look at your color, look at, there was all, all these things amount to that. And you start to believe those and you live through that. But if you look through our educational system, and this, this is where Carol Dreck's work started, is why do really, really smart people fail in life? Uh, why do they become successful? And part of it is because you start to believe your own press. I'm really smart, so I don't have to work hard. I don't have to put any effort in, which then leads to the grit story. You know, mm -hmm. why don't people push things forward? Because they were told from early on, you're just smart. It's just easy for you. Uh, but when you go to college or even high school, you s the fixed mindset stops taking courses that are challenging. Because what if I don't get that A? What right. if I don't get that 4.0? I will look stupid. I won't live up to my own press. So all of a sudden you stop challenging yourself and you just fall into this abyss of norm, what yeah, we, used to, we used to call normal. This abyss of this is what it is. Th that worked when the pace of change was slower, when you can get away with it. When there was such a thing as a 40-year career, today... There was a study from Australia that came out and they looked at young people. 17 careers or 17 jobs, five careers. Wow. Over their lifetime. It used to be that, oh, millennials, young people can't keep their jobs. They'll have eight jobs over their career. Uh, most baby boomers had eight or 10 jobs over the career, but they the last, the last 30 years, they had one or two different jobs. Now we're not just switching jobs. We're literally switching careers. All that's changed in the background. We need, people are going to need grit and resilience and a growth mindset and, and, and be able to be able to, to deal with ambiguity and uncertainty. Those are skills we haven't taught. Uh, McKinsey just came out. Uh, number one skill for employability, career satisfaction, life satisfaction, and making money. Looking hot. 
that, that wasn't on the list, <laughs> but adapt, well, sort of it was self-confidence. Yes. <laughs> self-confidence was adaptability. It was the number one driver. Nice. That. Now there were variations of that dealing with uncertainty and, and things, but basically it all had to do with adaptability. So we have the A and then we have the C. And then if you look at the environment and the environment is, is going back to what we were talking about is what our parents said, what our school, what our teachers said, uh, what the government says, what, what the environment in which we live in. Talk, we're talking about business. Let's talk about Let's talk about the culture, the company culture, and that's really a terrible word. It should be community. Uh, it should be much broader than just having that culture because you have culture. You just do the same thing over and over again. You, you hire people who look like yourself and fit the mold. Oh, yeah. But we, we talk about company support. That's one of the dimensions in the E, company support. Do the employees feel like management has their back? And I got to tell you, it's obviously from the great resignation and everything else. It's no, <laughs> you know, cl clearly it's no. The next part is team support. And that goes back to a lot of the work that Gallup did. Um, do, does a supervisor have my back? Do my coworkers have my back? Can I trust them? So it's company support, team support, and then it's work environment. And work environment uh, is that psychologically safe space. Can I introduce a new idea? Um, right. If I make a mistake, am I fired? Um, which goes back to the growth and fixed mindset of a, of a manager too. So we, we have company support, team support, work environment. Uh, and then we also have the emotional health. You know, I just, a study just came by this morning. HR leaders, 97%, 97% said they are burnt out and stressed more than they've ever been before. They, you can't be happy if you're burnt out and stressed. Oh, uh, so, and, and that goes through, you know, most of the workforce. Uh, the, the numbers are, are, it's really a crisis and it's astonishing. So what's their, what's their state right now? And then we look at the, the stress of the job. Now, there's some jobs that are just stressful. You know, right now, accountant, accountants are, having, are all stressed because we got the deadline coming up. Right. Uh, working in a healthcare system is very, very stressful. Being a teacher can be very, very stressful. But there's other jo there's jobs that inherently have more stress than others. But if you have no company support, no team support, and it's not a psychologically safe space, and you're low on, gr and, and you're not really a gritty person, and you don't have a strong mindset, um, it just piles on. It just dumps it on. So the the environment, uh, you know, basically, primarily the things you can change is company support, team support, and a work environment. Some companies are doing it really well. Most are not. Yeah, it's uh, and rarely you'll find somebody that's screwed up in all those areas. But all it takes is one area that's not working well, and it depends on the human being because we're meaning making machines, and the environment may be more important than others. But it just takes that little bit. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't think anything's changed in terms of this human contract that we have is built on trust. Can I trust my leader? Can I trust my peers? Can I trust in the processes? Can I trust myself? Because there's so many people have this notion that sooner or later, people are going to figure out that I am a fraud. And people looking and around them are saying, no, you're a freaking genius, but we still feel it. When, when, you're, when Congress, which makes our laws, has an approval rating of, what, 13%, 12%, yep. 11%, I mean, it's atrocious. Yeah, there, there's not even trust there. So even if you didn't trust your coworker, you trusted maybe management or you trusted the local leaders. There was some trust. There was at least some pillar you can go and hug onto, tag onto that. And you go, well, at least that's the same. At least that's, I still have trust in that. And we've lost people, when I say we, but collectively, uh, have lost trust in a lot of institutions that we really didn't even think about before, uh, but it's, it's pretty fragile. 
Nassim Tlaib, going back to the financial part, Nassim Tlaib talked about uh, and anti you know fragile and anti fragile yeah. and, and I love that concept and and the, the idea of fragility is something so rigid it's some it's so structured it's so there and that's what we grew up being is that there were these finite structures that we can always depend on the problem with with fragility is it eventually cracks under pressure and we need to be yeah. what, what yeah. he calls anti fragile we need to be able to bend. I, I talk about the anti-fragility in the, in the terms of what Bruce Lee talked about, be water, is we live in a series of different containers. We don't know what that container is going to be, but maybe we started out in a, in a water bottle. And then all of a sudden, in the last couple of years, that container became a martini glass. And we got poured in there and there was way more water and it spilled all over the place. But at least we, we found our container. And then all of a sudden somebody says, whoops, new container. We're going to go into a juice glass or we're going to go into a, a different type of a, of a container. And Ira, the last container we go into is the toilet, but we won't go there. <laughs> so I just wanted to share. So I was kidding around years ago. I was like, you know what? I wish the Martians attacked Earth, and here's why I wanted it, is that we would come together as a human race or Republicans and Democrats and say, oh my God, we've got a common enemy and we need to come together to fix this. And then uh, the pandemic came and I thought it would bring everybody together, but it did not. And it comes back to that trust piece. So we'll leave that for another show. But before we part company today, uh, and this has been a fascinating conversation, how I started the show off, Ira, Ira, what makes you happy? That's changed a lot. Uh, I love being around my grandchildren. Love yeah. spending time with them. Um, you know that that changes it a lot. Uh, I you know the pandemic for me was a huge shift. I'm I'm a workaholic. I work all the time, and I really enjoyed doing it. Except when I did dentistry and I left. Um, I loved everything about dentistry, but dentistry, so I left. Uh, but you know, I love being with my wife. I love being with my kids. I love writing. I love creating. I love all the new opportunity. I am an older baby boomer. I should be retired. I should be on a golf course. I should be doing something like that. Hobby gardening. Um, I'm starting, I have two new businesses, starting new projects. Uh, And that's, you know, that's what makes me happy is seizing opportunity and helping other people. You know, I love working with my my granddaughter who's 22 and seeing uh, the new opportunities that she's found and the excitement she has about what she's going to do with her life and those things. And then I have a, a two-year-old grandson and a, you know an eight-month-old grandson and just watching them explore, taking oh, yeah. the time Magic. to look at them. What's one piece of advice, a mind hack you could share with our listeners and viewers that they could implement today and get better results? Be water. Be like water. Be be fluid. Multiple states, depending on the environment, you can be solid, you can be gas, you can be liquid, uh, you can take the different forms. Be water. Brilliant. Ira, thank you so much for coming on the program. I really enjoyed this. We're going to have to do a part two next time because there's more uh, ground to cover. And and everything will be different. And uh, we are living in what we didn't talk about this, but living in the never normal. And so we'll we'll continue to talk about it. That will be the new normal. Take care. Bye now. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 